Welcome to the Hidden Palace with Skyblaze. Hello, good people. Good morning, afternoon, evening, or night, wherever you happen to be. I'm Skyblaze, this is Radio Sega, and you're listening to the Hidden Palace. Uh, tonight our topic is going to be what might have been cancelled Sega projects. So there was a Twitter poll and uh, several people voted in it. Thank you ever so much to everybody that voted in that. And 57% of the votes went for this particular topic as opposed to obscure Sega games. Which I might cover at some other point, presuming I get a full run because this is episode 9, and episode 10 is the end of my trial run, so we'll see what happens. So, on with the topic. As I've mentioned before in previous shows, virtual reality is apparently the in thing again, with PlayStation VR, Oculus Rift, The Vive, and many other companies attacking it as the future of gaming. As long as you're not partially sighted, vertigo sufferer, or partial migraines, or, well, you get the idea. There are problems with VR, is what I'm saying. Now, Sega learned first-hand the pitfalls of VR products when it attempted to develop its own VR headset way back in 1991. Now, the prototype version for use in arcades was released, and even saw some limited use during the uh, first mega-round of uh, VR hype back in the 90s. Uh, did get some arcade use, was apparently pretty decent. Uh, but the Sega VR console headset did get released as a prototype, but was never released commercially. It turns out that the Sega VR suffered from many of the same problems that the rivals at Nintendo did with the ill-fated Virtual Boy. Prolonged use could cause migraines and fairly severe, apparently, motion sickness. Uh, as the tech was really in its infancy at the time, and it just wasn't up to dealing with these problems. However, Sega realised, looking at the Virtual Boy, looking at the problems with the tech, they realised that this just wasn't viable at this time, and cancelled the project before it could go down in flames. So, at least that's the thing. And the Sega VR was an actual headset, and not the weird desk-mounted thing that gave you neck strain because you have to lean over to look into it all the time, like Virtual Boy. So points for to Sega for that one, I guess. Well done, Sega, you managed not to screw that up. Congratulations. We'll talk some more about you screwing up later, don't worry. Much as I love you, on occasion you really failed. But since this is hardware I'm talking about and I don't have any actual music to accompany it, I'm just going to play a couple of things from stuff that has virtual in the name. So, from Howard Trossin's uh, Virtual Sonic soundtrack, we have Metal Sonic's theme. See you after the break.
Right, let's check the levels this time. Hopefully that'll fixed it. I don't know why it was so loud, because the levels were set the same as normal. Never mind. Uh, that was Virtua Racing Deluxe ending theme, and before that it was Howard Rossin's Metal Sonic theme from Virtua Sonic. I'm not usually that fussed about the music from Virtua Sonic, but that Metal Sonic theme, there's just something about it, and I really don't know what it is. I just really like it. Oh well. Anyway, on back to the original topic. Uh, the original Skies of Arcadia was released on the Dreamcast in 2001 and quickly became really popular with JRPG fans. It's actually regarded as one of the best JRPGs of its era. Uh, while a GameCube port was released, uh, there was originally going to be a PS2 port which was cancelled for unknown reasons. Which is a real shame considering that it had a fairly big RPG loving user base on that console. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. No, 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 no. There was going to be a sequel. Sega apparently still had enough faith in the idea of Sky Pirates to authorise uh, Sega subsidiary Overworks to begin work on concept for a new game, aiming for release on the GameCube and PS2. Sadly though, the team were busy working on a lot of other projects, so they only really had time in between those to do a few bits of concept work, including concept art. Uh, before they were first absorbed into another Sega division and then split up into other teams. Which sadly left Skies of Arcadia 2 unproduced. Oh, that is very sad. I'm, I'm sad now. Can you hear how sad I am? But we should have some Skies of Arcadia music. Uh, let's have... Let's have a, a Skies of Arcadia remix first. Let's have Skies of Arcadia um, Hortaker Stomp from Asterin from our friends at OC Remix.
listening to Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. Battle Opportunity from Skies of Arcadia, and prior to that it was Asterin's Skies of Arcadia Hotaker Stomp OC Remix. So yeah, uh, some, uh, Rexy was asking uh, how far on Discord chat how far the Skies of Arcadia actually got. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, it didn't get much past the conceptual stage, which is a damn shame. Uh, the, apparently the team were really, really keen, but they were just too busy to do any serious work on it and then the team got disbanded and absorbed into other divisions so it just never happened which is quite sad 
speaking of Dreamcast franchises, sort of, a game for that platform that never made it out was Propeller Arena. Now, it's produced by Sega's AM2 division, who produced such games as Outrun 2 and Virtual Fighter. And it involved flying, flying planes, I can say words, flying planes in what's described as a quick arena fight in the skies. It looked technically really impressive, it was really quite pretty, had really nice graphics and played very smoothly. And it had full Dream Arena online support for online gaming. However, it involved planes flying dangerously close to skyscrapers. And it was due to be released in September 2001. I think you can all guess why that one got canned. I don't think you need my help figuring that one out. I'll just leave that one there. Initial D for the Nintendo DS. Yes, I'm not kidding. Everyone who knows uh, uh, should know at this point by the Initial D arcade machines, but apparently there was supposed to be a game for the Nintendo handheld. So everyone's favourite series about illegal Japanese street racing almost made it to the DS. Now there were several images that appeared on the website for Sega Division uh, Sega Rosso in 2007, displaying some in-game graphics and what appeared to be a user interface. Uh, presumably for the touchscreen. The graphics are definitely for uh, a lower resolution system uh, like a handheld or a DS and some of them actually have the letters DS stamped in the corner. The images were fairly quickly removed however and there's been a firm silence from Sega on the matter since 2007 which suggests that the product was dropped fairly early on. Which is a damn shame because more Eurobeat. How could that possibly go wrong? Anyway, despite Propeller Arena being cancelled, there is still a full soundtrack available for it, and I have a copy. So, from Propeller Arena, it's some uh, punk grunge type stuff. She says this, and stand by for some Eurobeat after that. I'll see you after the break. Oh, 
Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24 7. 4, 3, 2, 1.
that was No One Sleeps in Tokyo uh, from the Initial D arcade soundtrack by Ed Boys. Um, before that, we had Propeller Arena, She Says This. Uh, we were saying on the Discord chat when he was saying that there's uh, that the track from Propeller Arena sounds a bit crazy taxi, or indeed it could also fit into Jet Set Radio. It seemed like the Dreamcast had a bit of a thing for that kind of grunge punk, uh, punk thing. Uh, but it was pretty popular in the late, 2000, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, so... Uh, but yeah, No One Sleeps in Tokyo is a bit of Eurobeat there for Rexy and for I Need Fruit if he happens to be listening. Hi dude, I hope you come back soon, if you are. So, back to the topic. Uh, Streets of Rage apparently has absolutely no look in the 3D area. There were two different 3D sequels that have been cancelled. Now the first was a tech demo with the working title of Streets of Rage 4. Now it was designed to showcase the Dreamcast and with an eye of bringing the series to the Dreamcast to that platform. Uh, the demo featured someone who looked an awful lot like Axel fighting off a wave of enemies. There wasn't very much to it but there were several new gameplay aspects including the option of a first person view and new team attacks. Now, allegedly, further development was cancelled because the new management of Sega of America had never heard of Streets of Rage and didn't think it would be a success. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is, head desk, head desk, head desk until I fall unconscious. Oh my god. What rocks do you have to be living under to not know about Streets of Rage? I'm going to stop ranting about this now. Um... Now, the second incident happened when Crackdown 2 developers, in inverted commas, Ruffian Games, decided to try their hands at a 3D version of Streets of Rage for the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Now, this would have been available only as a digital download, which is fair. Uh, Ruffian managed to produce a prototype which looked pretty good. Well, it looked good. The gameplay was a little bit generic. But Ruffian admitted that it was still in very early alpha stages of development. You can find a video of this demo on YouTube if you search for Streets of Rage 3D Remake. So yeah, just what is it with Streets of Rage just not getting a break at all? I've also heard about there was an, another team that wanted to develop a whole bunch of stuff including uh, Fantasy Zone, Streets of Rage and a few other Sega titles that were going to develop as, as download only titles and the deal got cancelled for whatever reason. So, yeah. I don't know, it just, it's like Streets of Rage is cursed. Right, after the break, I'm going to be talking about the elephant in the room that everybody knows I've got to talk about, but we'll get to it after the break. So, I'm going to play some music from Streets of Rage. I'm going to play The Revenge of Mr. X by Yuzo Koshiro. And then gonna play Go Straight, the uh, bonus theme from uh, Streets of Rage 2, I think. Uh, also by Yuzo Kasira. Uh, it's the beat mix remix of Go Straight, so we'll see you after the break.
Sega. Playing the best Sega music 24-7. back and that was Ghost Straight Beat Mix, Re Beat Mix Remix uh, from Straits of Rage and prior to that it was The Revenge of Mr. X, both by Yuzo Koshiro. Right then, well there wasn't any way I was going to escape talking about this one in a topic about cancelled Sega projects was there. Sonic Extreme. Right, buckle in kiddies because this one is a bit of a roller coaster. And I've had to divide it into three, uh, into two different sections because it is so goddamn long. So I apologise for all the talking I'm going to be doing, but here goes. So back in 1994, the Nintendo 64 is due out soonish, and Sega want a weapon to turn upon their rivals. A new Sonic game is the obvious answer here, especially if this answer is using their shiny new hardware add-on 32X. So a new Sonic project was put into development by the American arm of Sega, the Sega Technical Institute. Therefore, refer to, from here on out, I'll probably refer to them as STI, so STI, Sega Technical Institute. Got it? Good. 
point, the game was called Sonic Mars, and here again with Sega and their Greek god slash, well, Roman god slash planet theme. Or maybe they were just peckish and wanted a Mars bar. Um, now, at the time, originally, there uh, I've been reliably informed that there were plans to incorporate characters and themes from the successful Sonic Satam series. Oh my god. Shame that never happened, but I'll get to that. Now, problems cropped up almost immediately. For one, there were no solid tech specs for the 32X at that stage, meaning initial designs were a little bit less flashy and impressive than Sega of Japan really wanted for this massive killer app that it was supposed to be. Further problems then occurred when the 32X flopped hardcore in the US and the Sonic Mars game director then walked off the project, citing creative differences, meaning he'd fallen out with someone, or several someones. So, the decision was made to move development over to the Sega Saturn. And it should be noted here that initially, there were competing plans for the Saturn. Now you see, Sega of Japan and Sega of America at the time were very, very divided. They were really kind of left hand not knowing what right hand was doing. And as a result, they really wanted different things. Sega of Japan wanted a CD-based system using the latest bleeding-edge technology, while Sega of America were more keen on a cartridge-based system that would follow on more directly from the Mega Drive slash Genesis. In the end, Japan being the parent part of, the, of Sega, won. And so STI switched their focuses to the Japan spec Saturn, and the newly renamed Sonic Extreme. More of this after the break. Don't go away. So, I'm going to have some music from Sonic Extreme. So, this is Circuit Centerfold from Sonic Extreme.
10 years of the best Sega music on the internet. Radio Sega. 10 years for Sega is. Sonic Extreme Guardian Sphinx, although misspelled. Um, I've just noticed that, so the track was playing, so I'll fix that later. And prior to that, it was Circuit Centerfold, also from Sonic Extreme. So, the STI team that was working on Sonic Extreme was split into two groups. One making the main game levels were led by Chris Sen and Ofa Alon. I hope I pronounced that properly. Uh, the other concentrated on the expansive boss stages and was led by Chris Coffin. The game was actually going relatively well at that point until the spanner fell into the works. Another team decided to poke their nose in. A group called POV, or Point of View, were brought in to try and smooth the issues that were involved in porting the game from the Mac workstations that the STI team were using to the Saturn. Because, of course, the Saturn was using four-sided polygons as opposed to three-sided that were an industry standard even at the time. Which made porting quite difficult and led to a lot of frame rate issues. But POV decided to get ambitious and get more involved with a bit more than that. So when Sega of Japan President Hayao Nakayama showed up to inspect the team's work, POV got to him first and showed him uh, one of some of their work, which basically amounted to an older, very poorly optimised version of the game's level engine, while Alon and Sen were upstairs polishing their version of the level engine with no idea that this was actually going on. As a result, Nakayama was really not impressed, and having seen Chris Coffin's boss engine at work, he ordered the entire team to remake the game using only that engine and walked out without ever being shown the more up-to-date level work from Alan and Sen. Oh boy. So, understandably frustrated and desperate to finish the game somehow, Chris Coffin's team asked for access to the Knights into Dreams engine to speed development since it was similar in many ways to the Extreme Boss Engine and could be adapted for use for some of the levels. Now the team was granted this by Sega uh, headquarters and the team went into crunch mode, working reported 16 hour days to try and get stuff done. However, 
I seem to be saying that a lot. It turns out, though, that no one had bothered to ask Knight's creator Yuji Naka if it was okay to use his code. And understandably, upon finding out that it had been handed over without his say-so, he went absolutely ballistic, threatening to quit if the STI team continued to use his engine. So the engine was pulled from the STI team. By this point, poor Chris Coffin, who was leading the who was leading the uh, the boss level team, was now leading the entire team, and was working twenty-hour days and sleeping on a futon in his office, having been sent back to square one to try and rebuild everything that he'd worked on. The toll on him was just too much at this point, though, and he caught pneumonia and ended up in hospital. With their project leader now unable to work due to doctor's orders, SDI really had no choice but to can the project, leaving behind one of the saddest and most dramatic stories of vaporware in Sega's history, and it could be argued in all of video game history. Holy damn. The first time I heard about this story, I just sat there with my mouth hanging open, not able to believe the level of miscommunication that had gone on here and the unsafe working conditions that people like Chris Coffin and his team were working under. I know that it still happens to this day, but wow. It just... over a video game, guys. But they really, really believed in that project and it's so sad that it never came out. Now, there is apparently a playable build that is kicking around on the intertubes. Uh, but you can only play it, to the best of my knowledge, you can currently only play it if you have one of the NVIDIA NV1 cards in your PC. Um, there isn't any other way of currently playing it that I'm aware of. That could have changed because my information is a little bit old. But looking at the game it could have been brilliant and it was doing things that things like the Mario series did much later on and it could have been groundbreaking it's possible that the tech wasn't up to it at the time but sadly we're never gonna know and that's the story of Sonic Extreme right last two tracks for tonight so one last track from Sonic Extreme the very appropriate Lost Boss and after that just to fill out the evening and because I can uh, Crush 40's version of Free from Sonic Free Riders. now thank you ever so much to everybody who's listened thank you to Rexy, SBK, KC, Twinny and everybody else who's in chat tonight on uh, Discord tonight Thank you to people who responded to my Twitter to the Twitter poll that Twenty put up, and thank you everybody who's listened to me tonight. I will see you all next week for episode ten, the final episode of my trial run. If you want to see some more of the Hidden Palace after that, please get in touch with the guys at Radio Sega to let them know. Uh, I would like to stay. I would like to do more, and I hope you do too. So, I'm Skyblaze, this is Radio Sega and the Hidden Palace, and this is Sonic Extreme Lost Boss and Crush 40's Free. 
Thank you very much and good night.
Enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.